You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. I found, uh, and you can, you can steal this and live by this principle if you want, but I found when I don't feel good, I'm sick, I hurt, I look intentionally for people that have the same thing going on or just people that are hurting or in pain because the, the temptation when we don't feel good or we are in pain is to turn inward and it becomes all about me. And then I actually inadvertently begin to operate out of old nature versus new nature. <clears throat> And sometimes what will happen is I begin to try real hard to get healed. And anything I'm trying really hard to get that Jesus already paid for, I start to work for. And I'm very familiar with, with that process. That's why I feel like, you know, I can speak to it. So, and I make declarations about, and I told you this when I was, when I had stomach issues that Jesus healed, is that I, I started making a declaration. I quit trying to get healed. And I also say, I quit trying to get other people healed. <laughs> Not my job. I'm glad for that. It's good, isn't it? Just to partner with him. My gosh, he's good. And so I'm going to continue on. I talked on Wednesday night. I encourage you to go back and listen to Wednesday night. They're a little bit shorter teachings. And I started talking about a, a three-part teaching that I'm going to do. And it's uh, pr- preparation for impartation. So on Wednesday, I talked about how I used Joshua and I used uh, Mary Magdalene as examples. And I talked about how we were created to stay humble and hungry. Those are part of our new nature. Humility and hunger for for the things of God, for Jesus, and for, for what he paid for, and for the more are part of our new nature. I don't have to go looking for it. I don't need to get hands laid on me for it. I I don't need to read the greatest book that was ever written about it. I can do all of those things, but I I don't need that to activate it. I just need to know who I am and my new nature. That's it. And so I just point myself back towards truth. And and in that, I also talked about being, being responsible with what we've been given. So I use the parable of the talents, and the parable of the minas is, is fitting also, um, e- either parable in, in Luke or in Matthew. But I talked about, uh, am I being responsible with, with what I have already been given? Am I, am I actually utilizing the authority, the power, the love, the gifting? Am I, do- am I doing something with it? And so those are good questions to ask, uh, along with... Um, why do, I, why do I want more, more of God? Why do I want more of, of what he paid for? What's, what's the purpose for, for me? And so I, I just asked that, I asked that question. It's a, I believe that it's a sobering question, and it'll bring me quickly to my intentions. And my intentions, I hope, always bring me to the fact that it will cause me to be able to more accurately display who the Father is, as a good dad, and, and more extravagantly love those that are around me. And in doing that, I hope, to, you know, part of that is to be able to know, uh, to hear God's voice clearly in any given moment. Uh, 
to know the secrets of his heart for the person in front of me so that I can connect them to his heart. So, uh, so that I can walk in a greater level of the miraculous and see more healings. And the next time I get a chance and somebody's heart quits beating or has already quit beating around me, I'll see the dead race. Whatever the situation calls for, I, I, want, I want more. I'm not content with just living a good life and, and going to heaven. Like That's not what Jesus paid for. He didn't pay just so that I could have nice stuff, nice house, nice car, nice job, nice family. And, and then one day, I'll spend eternity with him. And I'll hang out on Sundays and sing songs and you know, read my Bible and do devotionals and all that stuff. And I'll just live this good life. Right? We call it American Christianity. Even though it doesn't exist in the Bible, that's what, that's what, that's what we call it. And so that's not, that's, all those things are a, are a byproduct of... Of God's blessing, though we could point to many places around the world and they don't have anything. <clears throat> See what I'm saying? And we're like, oh well, it's it's kind of hard to to make our gospel <clears throat> fit other countries, right? It doesn't translate. I found that harsh reality out when I was in Pakistan. It's like the American gospel doesn't translate to them. So I, I, it caused me to ask myself a lot of questions that were really good and, and the sobering realities of it. And so, yeah, we get to enjoy family. Yeah, you know, we, we hopefully will, will live out our dreams and, and, and be comfortable in our, our house and cars and have the stuff that we need. Those are, those are essential needs, you know, those God takes care of. But in doing that, my burning desire is not to to have the stuff, but to actually reach people with, with the gospel, to make sure that I am responsible with my level of influence in my area of influence, my sphere of influence, and use the delegated authority that Jesus has given me to show people that he is good, that he's real, and who they were always created to be. And then they get to, it's always about other people. It's not ever about me, bless me, get my stuff, all that stuff. I, yeah, I want you to bless me. I'm all for that. Because when I have stuff, I can give stuff away. And that's one of the sole purposes of having more. Not getting attached to the more, but so that I can actually be a conduit and say, hey, here, here is God's goodness. Because a lot of times God's goodness comes in practical ways. We've seen God's goodness shown in practical ways be more impactful than in miraculous ways. What I deemed was miraculous but when I handed them money, they thought that was miraculous. And I thought, wow, this is, this is good. And so it, it's in all different ways. It's not just in, in miracles and signs and wonders, but it's also in, in practical, just selflessness on a daily basis. And so, again, I would go back and, and listen to that um, from, from Wednesday. It will catch you up with, with this. And... We are going to, does anybody know what Voice of the Apostles Conference is? Anybody familiar with it? Raise your hand if you're, you're familiar with Randy Clark, Global Awakening, Heidi Baker, uh, Bill Johnson, uh, Leif Hetland, people like that, Dr. Mark Sharona. Um, so there's, so Global Awakening puts this conference on. Last 20-some years, they've put on the Voice of the Apostles and Voice of the Prophets. They're training and equipping uh, conferences. And most of our leadership team will, will be at this one this coming week. 
And so I would ask that you would pray for us while we're there because there's always a lot of impartation there. We have had our lives transformed, not just because people laid hands on us. <clears throat> that did happen. But because we were in a posture to receive and we were hungry for more. And then now we've seen, we've seen fruit over the years of it. That's what I'm looking for. It's, it's great if the power of God knocks me down and all that stuff, or if it doesn't. Whatever it looks like, I receive by faith. But I'm always looking for fruit. Because if there is no fruit, if I can't point to anything, I can say I received all kinds of stuff. But, you know, it's like saying I love Jesus. My lip service means literally, literally doesn't mean hardly anything. But my life will demonstrate, like James said, faith without works is dead. Because faith is an action word. And so I want, to see, I want to see fruit. We've seen fruit from impartation that we have received. And so I know, that, I know that it works. I know that the Bible teaches it. I see it in the scriptures. And so we're going to get more impartation, not just for, for us and not just only for you guys, even though it is in part for you guys, but it's also for nations and generations to come. This is, this is, bigger, this is bigger picture than the Revival family or even Greenwood. We're believing this impartation will uh, impact generations throughout the nations of the world. That's, that's what we're going for. And <clears throat> the people that are going here, if you look at Heidi Baker alone that will be speaking, she received impartation at Toronto in 95 or 96, 1995 or 96. And now they've literally planted over 5,000 churches since then. And they were on the mission field ready to give up. And they planted a couple failing churches at that point in time. They got impartation. She got whacked by God. And now thousands of churches. Have, Leif Hetland will be there. Same thing. He was a Baptist pastor, a uh, Norwegian Baptist pastor that had seen one person healed by accident. He, he, <laughs> he prayed. And when they called, he left the house. It was for, it prayed for, over somebody for cancer. He left the house. And, and when, when they called him and told him that they had been healed, he was shocked. <laughs> he started to question, are you sure? <laughs> so Randy Clark prays over Leif Etland in Toronto, prophesies over him. Now we're 20-some years later, and Leif has seen over a million Muslims one to Jesus just in Pakistan alone, and has seen some of the craziest miracles that I have ever heard about. So you, before, after. What was between? Impartation. Even upon some that weren't seemingly hungry. They were just a good resting place and God knew it. I've heard about impartation that looked like it was against the person's will. They didn't even believe like we do. And God whacks them. Nails them with his power. And they get up and then they start a ministry and see signs, wonders, and miracles. That's how John G. Lake's healing rooms were opened back up um, in, is it Oregon? Am I making that up? Washington, yes. So in, in Washington. And so it was, it was from a guy that didn't want anything to do with this revival culture. And he came to a meeting that Bill Johnson was having. It was when they had the great divide at Bethel Church and a thousand people left. Revival broke out and half the church left because sometimes revival looks in a way that offends us. 
<laughs> it's, it's happened. It's happened. It's happened to us. It's happened to me, at least. I know. I know it scared me before. <clears throat> so he comes to the meeting because he's faithful. That, that, he's a faithful leader. He comes to the meeting. The Holy Spirit comes on him, knocks him out. He gets laid out and gets up, and now he's totally changed. And he was totally against everything that was being was, was happening, everything God was doing. So it looks like it's against the will, but I, I, I mean, Jesus knows what's up. Oh, <laughs> he knows if you don't, even if you don't seem willing now, you, you might be in after this encounter. So pray for us during, during this week. We'll come back. We'll be back before Sunday. You'll see us back here. I won't, I won't miss a Sunday because of, because of a conference like this and the only way I miss Sundays for conferences is if I'm teaching at them, not if I'm going to them. And so it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Um, and and there's, a, there's one more thing. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, you can catch this either Wednesday night if you're not going to be here. If you're going to be here, obviously you won't be able to catch it, but it'll be 8 p.m. Eastern on Global Awakening's Facebook page or YouTube page. Um, I'll be getting licensed at, at Global Awakening. Um, from Global Awakening at Voice of the Apostles. Um, so really, really big deal to, to me. Um, and I'll explain at some point later on what that means for us as a, as a revivable family. We're already a partner church with Global Awakening, um, but this, makes, this takes it up to another notch. And um, so credentialing through them crushed a huge lie in my life because I thought that there wouldn't, an organization like that wouldn't have anything to do with me because of my past. I didn't ever say it out loud, but I thought it. It was back here. And uh, they were more than happy, uh, seemed thrilled to, to, to license me and to be a part of, of what God's doing here. And so it's still mind-boggling, but they will, uh, they will have the, the feet up. Everything's free to watch on the evening sessions. So anyway, um, let me take you to a chapter in, in the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 6, and in keeping with the theme, preparation for impartation, I'm going to read you a little more, a little few more verses than what I would customarily read on a Sunday morning, but this passage is really important. I need to put it back in fresh perspective in front of all of us, because there are things that stand in the way of me, me being hungry, staying hungry. There are things that stand in the way of me even desiring more of God. And I believe that this chapter will help reveal that because before the end of the day, I believe that there's going to be things that are, that are uprooted out of our lives that are going to get out of the way because Jesus is so good. When, we, when, we even, when we're with Him in relationship, Holy Spirit will, will point out. I pray this prayer often. I don't, maybe you do too. Holy Spirit, you search me. You search me, you know my heart. I don't have to go deep diving inside my soul to see if there's anything wrong. I'm just going to let you do it. And then I just, I'm in relationship with him. I may be driving down the road or something and he'll bring something up. And I'll be like, okay. And we deal with it. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to get the spotlight out and search and search, you know. And I pay attention. And in doing that, I pay attention to my behavior. I pay attention to the way that I react to people and the way that I talk to people. Is there sarcasm and things like that? There's little indicators at times that there's hurt in here. 
right? It's like our body tells us when, when we're sick or stressed or whatever. It, it's, a, it's, the, it's the indicator. And so my behavior and the fruit of the way that I speak to people in my relationships will be the indicator if I've got something going on here. So I just pay attention to that stuff. And I don't, I'm not introspective. I've done the introspective thing. Anybody ever done that? Boy, that doesn't feel very good, does it? Because <laughs> if you look hard enough, you'll find something in there. Even if it's not true. Even if you've already dealt with it. You look hard enough, you'll find something down in there. You don't have to go... <laughs> Let me tell you something about inner healing. Inner healing is, is received through believing truth. <laughs> I, I see the frustration with the inner healing movement from some people because it's always something deep down, way back, all this stuff. And I'm like, but the Bible tells me that truth sets me free. So I'm not oblivious to the things that happen, but believing truth is what's going to bring me healing and freedom, not me spending a bunch of time on this stuff that I may not need to. Anyway, that was different. So that was a different part of what I was talking about, but I've had that on my, my heart for a while, and, and I'm grateful for the inner healing ministry that's here that points people towards truth and ultimately pushes them towards Jesus because Jesus is, is, is truth. He's, he's the word. He's truth. And then that is what brings people to healing. <clears throat> I'm going to exercise my, my ability to, my slow to speak, quick to listen, slow, slow to anger. <laughs> I really want to go quick. I want to keep going in that inner healing thing because I've, I've, <laughs> I've run into stuff recently, but this isn't, isn't a time for it. We'll talk about it some other time. So John chapter 6, verse, hey, let's start in verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Yeah, I know I'm starting in the middle of the context, but this, is, this dialogue is so long that I'm not going to read all of it. Verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's why I just wanted to remind you of what Jesus said. Verse 54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the Father sent me and I, and, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. <laughs> Jesus has a way with words, doesn't he? <laughs> Remember, them guys are dead. Just want you to know. Remember the bread they ate? Dead. These things he said, pay attention, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So, so let, me, let me point something out. And, and you know what? I'm going to hang out on that point for a minute. I'm going to put it back here. And we'll let the eating the flesh and drinking the blood thing just kind of simmer. And uh, <laughs> for you, but for the people that he was speaking to, do you, you guys know that they're Jewish. And so it totally violated the law for them to eat, eat flesh and to drink blood. 
You look in Leviticus, you, you find that, I think it's in, in Leviticus 17. And so he, to them, is telling them something to, that will violate the law. And then to take it a notch up as more offensive, it, it's human flesh and human blood. Jesus didn't speak to people as, as so, that they could, so that they could understand everything. That's why he spoke in parables. But it appears to me that he speaks this to them intentionally to offend them. I'll read some more here, here in a second. So you, you got that he told him, eat his flesh and drink his blood. You guys read that chapter before? Early on in Christianity, you read that chapter and you're like, you're either A, going to go to your pastor and ask questions, or B, you're just going to skip over that and stop reading it. <laughs> I, I didn't choose A, I just choose B. I, cho I chose B. Uh, at that time, early on, I had some people I could have turned to and asked the question, but it was just one of those things that I just let go over my head. I'm just like, Phew. We'll forget it. But then you become a pastor, and you're going to teach on something like that. And there are still some things that I shy away from unless God says, you know, teach on this. Because they're hard stuff to, to get. But Jesus, you've probably figured this out by now. Jesus isn't talking about literal eating of flesh and literal drinking of blood. He's talking about partaking of, of him, receiving him because he is the bread of life, and allowing him to be the substance that actually is the, the, the food for us, the manna, as he says. And his blood is actually believing, receiving everything that his blood pays for at the cross. We take communion, it's symbolic of that, and so it's not some cannibal church thing. You guys, you guys got that? <laughs> okay, I, just make, I was just making sure. And so, <laughs> verse 60, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? <laughs> There's some other translations that basically say, I don't know what the heck he's talking about. This makes no sense. And then, verse 61, when Jesus knew it himself and his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? That's a good question in a lot of circumstances and situations. Does this offend you? <laughs> Do you know that being offendable isn't actually part of our new nature in Christ? It says it in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 in the Passion Translation. It says that love is unoffendable. And for, for some years now, so those of you that have been here for very long have heard this, whatever offends me reveals me. <clears throat> whatever offends me reveals me because it's not supposed to be about me. And so when I'm offended, it shows that there's still a part of my heart or actually a part of my mind that hasn't been completely renewed with, with truth yet. And I like things like that. I like it when I get offended. I like it when somebody offends me. I, I do, I, I do. You're like, this is crazy. I'm serious. I like it when something offensive is said or, or done because then it reveals that I am not completely, my mind isn't completely transformed and caught up to the truth of who I am. 
And so then I ask Holy Spirit one question, why did this offend me? Because it doesn't offend you. And that leads me to truth, right? He's the spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth. And so I partner with him. And I'm telling you what, that I took that three years ago, four years ago, when I heard David Wagner say it. I heard him say it, and it's just a one-liner. I love one-liners because they're easy to remember. (laughs) I remembered it, and I started to sit with Holy Spirit when things would offend me. And I had a... (laughs) had a lot of conversations with him early on. <laughs> Every day, offended, offended, offended. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like <laughs> okay, hopefully this will slow down. And it did. And now there are times are fewer and far between to where things that used to, I don't even think about. People say things, do things. Whatever it is, I've become more and more, I'm not completely unoffendable yet, but I am on my way there and I'm celebrating the progress. And there's been nine of us that are on that journey together of of our leadership team. And we've had a lot of conversations. We've had a lot of conversations. We say, hey, this offended me. And basically it's a confessional minus the screen. (laughs) <laughs> Some of you have been in the confessional, you know. You had the little pad. Did you have a seat or did you have a little padded kneeling place when you were in the confessional? Raise your hand. Kneeling? Pad kneeling? Okay, me too. <laughs> they, they did it like once a year at Catholic school. I'm like, y'all ain't got time for me. <laughs> you ain't got time. There's more kids it's out there. We're going to be in here all day. <laughs> Just with the things I remember. Like, do you want me to? I'll start keeping a log January 1 of all the bad things I do. <laughs> I wish I could have seen the priest's face on the other side of that thing, you know? <laughs> some of them he might have been laughing, and some of them he might have been offended. I'm not for sure. But <clears throat> so we've had a lot of tough conversations, and, and they're, they're, they're just confessions. Because now we know if you offend me, it's, it's not necessarily you. Now, if somebody's just being a jerk, you know what I mean, which you don't get within our team, that, that's different, you know. Sometimes you'll, you'll have that. But we, we are just telling one another, hey, that offended me, and this is what Holy Spirit revealed me, why it offended me. And it's, it's our breakthrough. It's our testimony. It's our, it's our transformation. And so Jesus is intentionally offending the Jewish people. It seems to me like he is growing down his followers. (laughs) I've seen some people do that when at least I thought they were trying to on Facebook. (laughs) Oh, they're trying to pick a fight or they're just trying to get rid of some, they're trying to get unliked. (laughs) The most passive aggressive thing you can do in our day and time. I have unliked you. <laughs> I didn't even know we were friends. <laughs> <People's>, <laughs> Facebook friends. Newsflash, not real friends. So, <laughs> therefore, many of his disciples, when he heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Verse 62 
what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. He knew Judas would betray him. And it says here that he actually knew who would not believe in him. But do you know that he still gave opportunity for everybody to be empowered? Because it is literally a level playing field at the cross. He's like, I am going to empower you and give you the choice to be empowered or in this instance, to be offended. Because offense is a choice. Verse 65. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. He didn't post it on Instagram (laughs) or tweet it. Or put it on Facebook. He didn't throw a fit about it. I didn't hear him complain about it one time. Jesus, all these people. that We don't know how many people left him, but there, it seems like there was quite a few. And so he wasn't worried about who, who was following him. He was, because of his security in who he, who he is, who he was at that time. When I, ha- when I am secure in being fully accepted and fully loved by the Father... Then, if you unlike me or, or break relationship or do whatever, it won't, it won't mess me up. doesn't mean it won't hurt my heart, but it's not going to be something that, that messes with my identity. That there's something, I won't point, I won't go to the fact that there's something wrong with me. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So, it destroys full acceptance and being, knowing that I'm fully loved and fully accepted by the Father literally destroys every opportunity to feel rejection. doesn't mean I won't be rejected. It's that it won't impact me. It's a really good feeling. <clears throat> Verse 67, Jesus asked another solid question. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? He's giving everybody an opportunity to leave him. <laughs> And so in verse 68, this is, when he says this, this is what I hear Jesus asking. Do you need to understand? Do you need to understand? And are you offended so much so that you will choose it over me? Will you go also? Do you need, because they... There's, there's no indication that the disciples are clear on Jesus saying, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like nobody says anywhere in the gospel here, in God, the gospel of John, that they got that. Right? I don't often hear people teach on it. I don't think this may be the first or second time I, I have mentioned it, but to read the passage. And so he is saying to them, are you willing to give up your right to understand because there's going to be more things in this life that, that, are, that, are, that are beyond your human understanding. In Proverbs chapter five or chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not 
on your own understanding. Don Sink set me up in 2007 and memorized this verse. It was the very first verse he gave to me. Back then, I was just excited about Jesus. I didn't know anything. I knew I was free. I knew I wanted to read the Bible and spend time with Jesus. That's all I knew. And he tells me to read this verse. So I didn't think too hard about it. Five years later, <laughs> ten years later, now today, I understand why the Holy Spirit prompted him to have me memorize that verse. Because my, my right, what I feel like is my right to understand, has to be surrendered on a daily basis. I get to choose to surrender what I feel like I, I should understand. Jesus, you do something, you say something, I ought to understand. It happens in my life, happens to me, happens around me, happens in my nation. I ought to be able to understand it. Jesus said, no, that's not true. Will you choose, will you choose to give up your right to understand? That's a human right. It's not a kingdom right. And so he's giving them an opportunity right here. Will you choose to give up your understanding? And will you choose me over being offended? Because we don't know whether or not the 12 were offended. It's quite possible that one or two or 10 or all 12 of them were offended at what Jesus said. Well, will you, will you choose me? Will you choose me over offense? And this is where disruption to our Christian lives and the fire that God has placed on the inside of us. And I mentioned this on Wednesday night is all of us, when we gave our lives to Jesus, we were, there was a level of fire that was in us. There was passion. There was hunger, right? We were just joyful. <laughs> we were like this high with Jesus. And you're like, this is amazing. And then life happens. And choices are placed in front of us. Offenses are placed in front of us. Things that we don't understand are placed in front of us. And then along with that, there's disappointment to top it all off that's placed in front of us. And we have opportunity to choose any of these things, this smorgasbord of things that will interrupt and sometimes even almost totally quench our hunger for more of God. Because when I live in this place where I must understand or in this place where I am offended or in this place of disappointment, all of those begin to stop the flow or the desire even to want to do anything. And so I don't want to be responsible with the measure I've been given anymore. And when I don't want to be responsible with it because I don't want to do anything because I'm all up in here in my fields and all that stuff, then what happens is that I've set myself not up to not get impartation any longer. Because why should I get more if I'm not using what I have? And, and sometimes I don't even want it because I'm so offended, so disappointed, so trying so hard to understand everything that's happening. Can I tell you that there is with 100% certainty that you and I will never understand everything that happens in this life to us or around us? 100% certainty. I don't put a 100% satisfaction guarantee on almost anything other than him being good and Jesus is who he says he is. But this I can guarantee you. I've been in this just long enough to know that this is part, this is part of the journey. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a scripture like Proverbs 3.5 where I trust in the Lord with, with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. It tells me right there, 
It tells me in Philippians 4, if I want the peace that comes from God, that peace is the peace that passes all understanding. That means it passes over what I think I know or what I think I should understand. And then I'm able to rest in that peace, which actually is a person. When I give up my understanding, it sets me up to live out of the reality of my oneness in the Prince of Peace. It's what we were made for. It's all, it's all, in, it's all in my mind. It's all in my choices. They're all set before me often. I know the reality of these choices of disappointment, offense, and things that happen that I don't understand. We all have stories that are heart-wrenching and that would bring us to tears. A whole room full of people crying because of the things that we say that have happened to us or that have happened around us, right? We've all got our stories. And so we all understand that these are things that, that happen. And, and Jesus lays it out and gives us, literally gives us a key. And Simon Peter says it in verse 68, He's answered and said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know what I hear Peter saying? Is that though that may have offended me, though I don't understand that, I have got the revelation that you are the son of God and you're enough. I don't need anything else. That's all I need is you. We sing it. Right? All I need is you, Lord. Come on. But, but then the choices are laid before us, and the temptation is to reach for something else because it, it appeases my human understanding. And Jesus is asking us to literally surrender my human understanding, my finite mind, thinking that I'm going to understand all the ways of God. It's laughable. <laughs> Lindsay and I were talking about revelation about God the other night. I was like, when we talk about these things, I think, I'm, I'm trying to figure God out. And then I just start to laugh. Because, <laughs> there's lots of algebra I don't even know. I'm going to figure God out? <laughs> there's kids in middle school that are <laughs> doing things that I didn't get to <laughs> in college. <laughs> Some of our friends are talking about homeschooling their kids. I'm like, don't look to me for help. I'm just going to point you to Google. <laughs> let, 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 me, let, me close, let me close with this. In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 6, I'm, just going to, I'm not going to read it to you, but, but John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison, and it doesn't, doesn't look like he's getting out. If you've heard me talk about dealing with disappointment, you've heard me talk about this passage. It's one of my favorites. Because John the Baptist had the clearest revelation of who Jesus was out of anybody that ever walked the planet. He literally heard straight from the Father who Jesus is and then got to pave the way for him and then declared it two days in a row. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the Son of God. This is the one that I was told about to pave the way for. There's no clearer revelation that's why Jesus said, John, even in this passage in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, John's the greatest of all the prophets. 
he follows it up and says, but even those that are least in the kingdom are, are greater than John. Because he's telling him the new covenant, the new, there's a new day. There's a new day coming. And when you get born again, it takes you into a place which we call seated in heavenly places. <clears throat> and so John is sitting in prison and he sends disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the coming one or should we look for another? Right? And so I thought about this, and I've thought about this for years. I've taught on this passage for years, and it, it appears to me like John is sitting in this particular jail cell. <clears throat> and he's thinking about, the, is, is Jesus, is this actually the Lamb? So he begins to get disappointed. He begins to get offended. He begins to operate out of his understanding because he's already had revelation. And human understanding and revelation do not coexist. They don't coexist. They can't operate at the same time. You can't say, well, that's, that revelation is practical. <laughs> that makes practical sense. No, I may be able to apply it practically, practically, but it will only come by the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of revelation. I want to understand that in an educational sense so where I can just learn the Bible. Just sit down, not know Jesus, not have a relationship with him, and just read and learn it. That will only cause pride. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. <clears throat> and so John, it appears to me like he's offended. He doesn't under, he's trying to understand, and he's disappointed. And Jesus points him back to the miracles. He points him, and he says, go tell John this. That's what he tells the disciples that come to him and say, are you the coming one? Or, or should we look for another? And Jesus could have told John all kinds of things. And he decides to tell him one thing. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the, the poor have the gospel preached to them, the dead are raised up. Right? He's, he's saying all of these things to, to them. He's saying all these things to them, to them to tell John to point him back. Point him back to what he needs to be doing. Focus on the fact that I am who I say I am. Focus on the revelation that you already have of me as the Son of God and let that be enough for you. And then he follows it up in verse 6 and he says, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And that tells me right there that there's going to be lots of opportunity to be offended because of Jesus. Because of things that happen or don't happen. You know, he told the disciples in the boat when they're having this conversation about bread in, in Mark chapter, I think it's in Mark chapter 8. And he says, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The religious realm and in the, in the political realm. And I thought, why would you warn them about that, Jesus? Because I believe there's more opportunity for offense from those two places than there are anywhere else. More opportunity for my hunger to be disrupted, to be, to be squelched, or to begin to disintegrate because I'm offended because of what's happening in the world. Because what people are doing or what people are saying. And Jesus is pointing us back to the testimony of His goodness. He's giving us a key today. He's giving us keys. He always does. He's good. He's faithful. And in it's, it's, in, it's, always, it's always in here. Always in these stories. 
So my question to us today, this is what, as I already said, I propose to you that offense and disappointment and me not being willing to give up my, my, my understanding that these cause a block for hunger and therefore impartation and increase. They cause a block for the things that I was actually created to live in. You and I were created to stay hungry, stay humble, stay wanting more of God and constantly increasing like this. Not like this. Christian life, say it's a roller coaster. I can't, no. No, just because it has been doesn't mean it's going to continue to be. It's my choice. So what are we going to choose today? I believe that next week when we come back from VOA, there will be impartation for all of us. We're going to pray for folks. We're going to pray for, we're going to pray for the kids. And, I, and I've seen it. I've seen it happen. And those of us that have experienced it has changed our lives. We're going to release what we get because that's my privilege and my responsibility. But I felt like God said, hey, let's prepare your hearts. Let's prepare your hearts so that you're not just coming up here to get prayer and you walk away with less than what you should be getting, less than what he wants to give. So we're going to take a few minutes and pray. And if you've already got offense or disappointment, it's probably come up by now. Holy Spirit's really good at his job. He's kind, he's gracious, and he points those things out so that we can let go of them. Because he wants us to keep out, he wants us to keep our hearts right. Keyword, us. Keeping our hearts right. And he's given us a choice. It's a real simple one. <laughs> it's like what he told him in Exodus, you know, hey, I'll present before you this day life and death. <laughs> Choose life. He had to tell them, but, you know, he just wanted to make sure they got it. <laughs> I'm glad he's, <laughs> he's overemphasized things I should choose at times. <laughs> so if you would stand with me and let's pray and just get real with Jesus. You can stay in your seat. You can come to the altar. It doesn't matter to me where you're at. What's most important is that we choose to surrender our understanding, choose to let go of offense, and choose to release disappointment. So I'm going to start praying, and, and, and however Holy Spirit wants to do it, this is one activation that I, I do often when I talk about these subjects. And I take disappointments and offenses like seeds, and I drop them down into the grace of God and allow them to turn into something unless the seed falls into the ground and dies it can't produce fruit and so I want that thing to die in my life because it's not supposed to be a part of me so you can use that or you choose something else I just encourage you he wants you to have more more than you want it and he's giving us an opportunity today for nothing to block that The world needs us to walk in more than what we're currently walking in. And so, Father, thank you so much for being so kind and so gracious and so good. Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to get to be able to surrender our understanding in this moment. 
we release the disappointments from the things that we didn't see that we thought we were supposed to or the prayers that didn't get answered the way that we thought they were supposed to or all the other disappointments in life. We take them as seeds along with all of the offenses. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping. We release just a reminder, you're not doing this alone. Holy Spirit is helping. You're not doing this in your own strength. Grace is helping. So thank you for your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to release. We release right now these offenses, these disappointments. We break agreement with them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we thank you. Thank you for bringing healing into hearts. Thank you for helping us to forgive where necessary, to let go of anger and bitterness, any hate, whatever offense caused. We hold on to it for a while. If it's festered, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us let go of the rest that's attached to it. And we thank you for uprooting anything that's grown roots into our minds. Yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you. Just sacrifice our understanding on your altar. We lay it at your feet and we exalt you, Jesus, above our understanding. We give it up. We give it up. We choose you. You being the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, King, our Father, our best friend. It's all way more than enough. Way more than enough. You are more than enough, Jesus, to give up our understanding. You are more than enough to lay down every offense. You are more than enough to keep my heart right from disappointment. You you alone are enough for me. We thank you for helping us to focus on the testimony of your goodness. Point us, Holy Spirit, back to the things that, that we have seen. We have seen you do. The miracles, the healings, the deliverance, the prophetic words that have come to pass the transformation that's happened and is happening in our own lives, that we are growing, point us to the things that you have done and are doing so that we can focus in there and be reminded that you are, you are good. You are who you say you are. Despite what's going on in the world, despite what we're hearing and all the things that may be coming at us in this day, we choose you above it all. Any hunger that needs to be reignited, I pray right now that it would become ravenous hunger in each and every person. They wouldn't just be a little bit hungry, more hungry than we have ever been before for you and the things of you. Yeah, a greater desire, a greater fire than we have ever experienced in our lives. 
we want all that you have. We want to see all that you paid for. And we thank you. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for... Feels like some of the flow has started back in the room. Some of the, the rivers in your sons and daughters. I thank you for blockages being removed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We just worship you, King Jesus. We worship you. I pray this truths transform our minds, that we meditate on these truths that we've received and that we keep our heart prepared to walk in more as we keep our heart prepared to pour out at any given opportunity that we have. Strangers, loved ones, friends, whoever it is. Yeah, we focus on on giving away what you have given us. We focus on being responsible with what you have given us and allowing it to be our joy to choose to live this life with you, Jesus, with you, Holy Spirit, with you, Father, as one, no separation, living in intimacy and allowing your goodness to flow through us, your power, your love, demonstrations of who you are everywhere we go. I pray this family, Father, be empowered like never before by your truth. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing healing to hearts in the room. I know that disappointments and I know that things that we don't understand and sometimes offenses, they, they hurt us. I get that. I understand that. I, I hope that I didn't express that I was being insensitive to that. I pray for healing in every heart that needs it right now. Holy Spirit, would you let your love flow into every place? Every place that needs I thank you for bringing immediate healing to those wounds. Yeah, thank you for bringing immediate healing to those wounds. Yeah, thank you, Father, for lifting the heaviness. Some of that stuff caused off of people. Thank you for your peace coming in this moment and eradicating those things. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Peace to every mind every heart thank you thanks Jesus just bless what you're doing thank you for a continuation of this thank you for all of us positioning our hearts to give and to receive In Jesus name got a prayer team that's 
ready to pray for you guys. If you're having a moment with Jesus, you don't need to move. You can stay right where you're at. We'll be here for a while. If you need prayer for anything at all, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, this prayer team wants to partner with you. If you've got places to go, we bless you guys. Thanks so much for spending your Sunday with us. We're really grateful that you're a part of the family. I hope that you're enjoying the journey as much as I am. (laughs) I know I'm glad to be on it with you. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.